Welcome to episode 110 of the Sleep Whisperer podcast. Dr. Anurag Bajpai underwent postgraduate training from All India Institute of Medical Sciences, New Delhi. He was awarded fellowship in endocrinology by the Royal College of Physicians. He has authored over 50 index papers, 30 textbook chapters and two books related to pediatric endocrinology. Dr. Bajpai is the section editor for endocrinology in Indian Journal of Pediatrics, reviewer for pediatrics, Indian Pediatrics, Journal of Pediatrics and Journal of Pediatric Endocrinology and Metabolism. His area of research includes the role of estrogen in peripubertal males, neuroprotective effects of insulin-like growth factor 1. growth hormone deficiency pubertal disorders obesity rickets congenital adrenal hyperplasia and type 1 diabetes he has authored practical pediatric endocrinology in children with diabetes dr bajpai has taken active interest in spreading awareness about pediatric endocrinology and has set up grow india non governmental initiative to improve care of children with growth disorders Why is sleep important for the endocrine system? What happens to the hormones when we sleep? What are the effects of lack of sleep on our own hormones? What are the effects of sleep disorders and growth metabolism, obesity, reproduction and glucose metabolism? How do different circadian rhythms affect the endocrine system? This is something that we must discuss in the modern context. of genetic circadian rhythms that differ and supposedly predispose us towards being a night owl what do we need to know about this we also go into a big mistake that is made by many people with hypothyroidism that impacts their entire health take a listen to see if you might be doing this as well endocrine health is linked to everything from physiology to psychology It is truly the master system of communication and there was a reason that even ancient yogis correlated endocrine health with energy systems. It is a beautiful system that responds to subtleties in and around us. We can influence our endocrine systems positively with subtle daily practices. Sleep and endocrine health are truly interconnected magically. This episode is bursting with scientific information and practical tips to help you improve your own endocrine health and support all healing. Take a listen to episode 1 or 10. Hey everyone, I'm Deepa, Light Functional Medicine practitioner, author and yogini and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer podcast. the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations i'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams together Let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey.
Dr. Bajpai, it's a pleasure to have you here today on the Sleep Whisperer podcast and I've been wanting to do an episode on endocrine function and sleep for a very long time because personally I know so many people with different endocrine challenges including thyroid or uh, diabetes and I think a lot there's a lot of misconception in this world of endocrine health but somehow I thought you would be the perfect person to talk about this which is why I was very keen to have you here today and we are speaking about sleep and endocrine function the nuances between all of this but um, and you are of course a great expert in this field and I don't have to go into that I would like though for a quick um, look at what brought you into the field of endocrinology. Was there some personal story or what was the fascination that drew you towards this? Good morning, uh, Deepaji, and uh, thanks for inviting me for this uh, program. So endocrinology was in fact a fascination, right? Uh, even from school days, somehow I was really fascinated by the way hormones interact. And the very concept that something produced at a very remote part of the body can affect across the body and will have different effects in different systems was something which was really fascinating. And as I went into the medical school and started uh, evolving interest into different aspects, I really liked the physiology of these hormones. Uh, then as we went to the clinical aspects, how they interact with other diseases and how mathematically we can really make a diagnosis in these cases, evaluate and manage. And I think that's what the overall clarity of concepts, the way we can treat the efficacy really brought me through this endocrinology. So it's been a very interesting uh, uh, scenario for the last uh, couple of decades, at least uh, in terms of endocrinology. And I, I think endocrinology is really one magical space, doctor, because it's kind of subtle, but it's also so powerful in the effect it has on every part of us, our energy, mood, appetite. Um, and maybe we can get started by speaking about how, why is sleep really important for endocrine health? Yeah, I think sleep is one of the most important and the most productive time that we are utilizing. This seems a bit paradoxical because most of us in this day and era talk about doing more work, getting more uh, time in terms of doing work, less about these recreational activities and sleep is probably often considered something as lethargic, something which is non-productive. But I would go to the contrary that sleep is the most important part of a human life. Now, it's very simple and logical to understand that if somebody is spending 30% of their lives in sleeping, and if it was not going to help, evolution would really have taken it off. So if sleep is uh, not going to help you out, it is the biggest evolutionary mistake as to why the evolution has not taken it off. It really means that it is doing a very, very important and a vital function. Now, if we simply try to see what happens during sleep period and what happens during the daytime waking period, I would say sleep is the time when we are building up our resources. We are trying to really, in a way, uh, making our uh, uh, overall parts in which we are getting things done. And during the day, we are utilizing them. So sleep is more like uh, one phase of life where things are being stored, things are being uh, reset, while in the morning, in the waking time, we are using those resources. And when we talk about hormones, the hormones also are broadly speaking, two groups we can classify. One, which are more of anabolic, 
which are basically building the body structures, maybe muscle, maybe bone, maybe growth, and those aspects and catabolic, which are providing us instant energy to utilize and do activities. And both are extremely important and therefore the balance is important. So sleep actually plays a very important role in shifting the balance between these catabolic and anabolic hormones and that gives uh, a very important clue. So if you look into the simple perspective, during the sleep time, we have hormones like growth hormone, which really go up, gonadotrophins, which are going to control the reproductive functions, the pubertal development, they tend to go up. So body is trying to grow more, is trying to stimulate the development. So it's like growth, development in puberty and reproduction, they are all getting activated during sleep. And the hormones which are involved in countering us with stress, like cortisol, these hormones will go down. So we have a very favorable environment for the individual to grow, to have better physical development, to have a better, better pubertal development without the effect of the stress hormones. So you're in a way building your resources, your muscles, your bone, your fat, everything. And when you go up in the morning, when you want to use them, you want to do more work, right at that time, you will have a peak which starts in terms of the cortisol level, which is the hormone which is the most important as far as stress is concerned. And that will provide you with the energy to counter. So if we think of humans who have evolved over time in a situation where they had to really work hard for getting their food, work very hard to really get all the resources which were very scared, they had to work a lot from morning. So at that time, you needed the maximum amount of energy, maximum amount of concentration. And then probably what you're looking out is using your resources. So then your growth hormone, your other hormones will tend to go a bit down. You're basically trying to build up, use those resources, and that's why cortisol goes up. So this whole cycle of sleep, of uh, sleep and wakeness will really give you an idea as to how we have a time where we are building up and then utilizing them. just like any other cycle you can think of, investment cycle for that matter, studies for that matter, the same phenomena which is being reflected in sleep. And that's how it's very, very important uh, from an endocrine perspective. Beautiful, Doctor. I loved your connection to the evolutionary aspect because really I don't think uh, many people would wonder today about why we do because there is, as you yourself said, that we are living in an age where there is so much of emphasis on doing, doing, doing uh, and sleep has definitely taken a backseat for many, including children where now you see a delayed sleep time in several cases. But First, let's talk about why what's happening to our hormones in sleeps, and uh, that will also give us um, a framework to begin talking about a very important aspect later, which is the sleep timing as it plays into endocrine health. So, as I've already mentioned, the sleep is a very, very important time in which we are not only resetting all the problems which have happened, we are also in a way, focusing about more towards growing. So sleep basically means that you are in a secure environment, you have enough to eat. So a person will sleep basically when everything is perfect. And when you are in that ideal situation, you would like to grow. If you talk about from an individual perspective, if you have enough money, you've got a secure home, your family is good, you want to grow. The same is about sleep. To have a good sleep means that you had eaten well, you are well physically, there is no physical issue, there is no pain. And then of course the body will say, okay, now it's a good time to grow. So what it does, and if you talk about the major hormone systems, let's go one by one. 
So we have got from the pituitary, which is the most important regulator of the entire body system, the growth hormone becomes high. So when we see often that children who are actually sleeping well will grow well, the reason for that is that the growth hormone is largely produced during the phase two to three of sleep. And that is the time you will have peaks of these growth hormones which are coming. Now, a lot of these hormones are not continuous. We need to understand that it's not that body is continuously producing an amount of hormone. There are peaks which are coming in, troughs which are coming in, and they will have a significant diurnal variation from day to night, they will vary. And large amount of this variation are related to sleep in that perspective. So growth hormone, one of the most important hormone as far as the growth, not only of children, but also a lot of other metabolic effects, muscular growth, bone growth, fat uh, loss, all these substances, growth hormone will go up during sleep in terms of peaks, or let's say the peak secretions, number of frequency will become more. So that will allow us to gain more muscle, more bone, less amount as far as fat is concerned. This is what growth hormone will be doing in that perspective. The second major hormone which is coming from the pituitary is the gonadotropin releasing hormone and the gonadotropins which are regulating the functions of the gonads, the testis and the ovaries. Now, if we talk about pubertal development, which starts right around 8 to 10 years in girls and 10 to 12 years in boys, the first change which happens is that during sleep time, these hormones tend to start. So basically, the first time when these hormones kick in is actually at sleep. And that's why body becomes uh, good and now the development happens. So a lot of these testicular development, a lot of these ovarian development, and secondarily, the development of the physical characteristics is dependent on sleep. If you do not sleep well, your reproductive hormones will also get altered and that will, of course, have a major impact from that perspective. Now, if we talk about third group, which is very, very important for the body functioning, which is the pituitary adrenal axis, which is really regulating a lot with regards to our stress response, our glucose levels, our blood pressure, it is more of utilizing your resources. So while growth hormone and gonadotrophins are trying to build up resources, this is utilizing resources. This hormone will be very high, rather discussed at the dawn time, there will be a peak. They will remain high during the day and they will come down around 12 o'clock. And that is correlating again with sleep. Now, why is that? Because sleep is the time you don't have any stress. So why do you need to have this hormone at that point of time when there is no stress? And lack of this, because this cortisol is not only to help, not only is going to help you in terms of building your sugars, in terms of increasing your blood pressure, but at sleep time, if your sugar goes up or your BP goes up, that would be detrimental. So while the body is increasing growth hormone growth hormone on one hand, it is suppressing cortisol on the other. And this diurnal rhythm of cortisol is very, very important. And when we discuss about how lack of sleep causes diseases like metabolic complications, like diabetes, hypertension, or even polycystic ovarian disease, this is this rhythm of cortisol which becomes very, very important. Now, thyroid is another major hormone which does see a lot of fluctuations in that perspective. Again, the levels are more higher in the morning time. And that's again because you need more energy and the thyroid is also associated with energy in that perspective, tends to go down during the uh, sleep hours again. Because if you have too much thyroid, you become catabolic. You're using your resources. While if you have less thyroid, you will grow. So this is what happens in terms of thyroid. So broadly speaking, we talk about four major classes of hormone. The growth and reproductive hormones are high at night. The stress uh, responding cortisol 
and the catabolic thyroid are low at that time. So there is a good balance in a way. So what you're seeing here is that sleep is a time where there is the ideal situation, body wants to grow, daytime is the time you want to use those resources because you are into adverse situations and you're using those hormones to go forward. And this is the ideal balance which happens during sleep and wake days. Okay. I'm so glad, doctor, that you keep bringing emphasis back to the diurnal rhythm and we'll come to that when we talk about timing. But what does general lack of sleep do to hormones? You describe the hormones so beautifully and what happens in good sleep. But what's happening if someone is not sleeping, which is a big, big factor today, and there's so much hypothyroidism and pre-diabetes everywhere that... Uh, why is sleep so important and how is it disrupting, how is lack of sleep disrupting our endocrine function? Yes, that's a very, very important part to understand because once we know the reason, it becomes much easier to correct the basic cause. Now, if we discuss, if we have lack of sleep, and when we say lack of sleep, there are two aspects. There would be issues with regards to not only in terms of the aspects of uh, that we are talking about in terms of the quality of sleep it's the quantity also quantity and quality both are very very relevant so we'll talk later on maybe as to what is the ideal amount of sleep in different ages but that's a different issue but both quality and quantity of sleep are absolutely important to have a good endocrine functioning in that regard so if there is lack of both of them we will find that at times when we do not need the stress hormone cortisol will go up. So if your cortisol goes up at night, you will have high blood pressure. You will have high glucose because that's something the body wants when you are in stress. That, of course, will have a long-term complications in terms of development of diabetes, development of obesity, development of insulin resistance, polycystic ovarian disease, non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. So lack of sleep, on one hand, is a major predictor of obesity and metabolic complications. We actually did a large school study in which we evaluated over 5,000 school children uh, in our region and uh, we looked into the various factors about uh, why they are becoming obese. And we found a stunning prevalence of around 20-25% as far as obesity is concerned in affluent school children. When we looked into the various factors, we looked into the lifestyle factors in terms of physical activity, sleep time, in terms of uh, the amount uh, of uh, uh, junk food consumption that they do, and then correlated that with the BMI, which is the body mass index, which is the indicator as far as the obesity is concerned. And very importantly, with body fat. So we actually measured body fat using a specific equipment there. We clearly found that one of the most important factors which determined the obesity and the body fat was sleep hours. Children who were not sleeping, who were sleeping one hour more, had a 10% lower body fat compared to those who were sleeping less. So just by increasing sleep, one can really change the body fat percentage. Now, this body fat percentage is something which is going to determine your complications, determine your blood pressure, determine your all those factors. So sleep hour is absolutely important as far as these metabolic factors are concerned in terms of all these factors. Now, this was one about the uh, metabolic issues. Of course, as I discussed, growth hormone requires uh, a deep sleep. It requires stage two to stage three sleep. So if somebody is sleeping, but it's like a poor quality sleep, you will not be producing growth hormone and that will really have an effect with regards to the growth of the child. 
Similarly, you will not have a lot of these gonadotropin secretions coming in. And that will, of course, have an impact with regards to the reproductive development. So if you have a bad sleep, there is a tendency of developing obesity on one hand with all its complications, which is diabetes, uh, fatty liver, hyperlipidemia, polycystic ovarian disease on one hand. And on the other, you have a tendency of not growing well. Growth hormone deficiency, it's not just about growth. Your muscle will become less, a bone will become weak. And of course, uh, problems with regards to pubertal, reproductive, all those connotations will start happening. So sleep quality and quantity, both are of vital significance in this regards. And could you, maybe you could share this research you did, Dr. Vajpayee, so we link it as well to the show notes because that was yeah. very interesting. And I would also like to take a look at that. And when you say it impacts the reproductive um, aspects in children, have you noticed any link in that to early puberty or uh, any, what are the, how does it, play out when you say that it can impact reproductive aspects? What are the typical things that you come across? Uh, it will be, there, there are a lot of studies which are going around with regards to the sleep impact on the pubertal development and reproductive aspects. Now, um, there is no one-to-one -one correlation, I would say, because early puberty is overall and there are a lot of tendencies that we are seeing that children tend to have an earlier puberty nowadays and there are multiple factors which are associated. And I would say sleep lack is one of the major factors. Now, if we look in a simple perspective, studies have clearly shown that girls who are obese or overweight have an earlier chance of having a breast development and an earlier chance of having periods in certain situations. Now, obesity per se, therefore, is a driving force. And this is probably working through another group of hormones, which are known as uh, leptin and ghrelin, which are basically coming. Leptin is a hormone which is produced by the body fat, which tells us, okay, how much is the body stored as far as the fat is concerned. And ghrelin is coming from the stomach saying that you're hungry, eat more. That is the perspective in that regard. So if somebody has got too much leptin, the body will, which basically means that there's too much fat there, the brain will say, okay, now we've got enough resources. We should now enter puberty. Now, why does puberty basically happens? And why does puberty happens in that perspective is that puberty and pregnancy, these two are situations which demand a lot of energy for the body. They are all requiring a huge amount of load on that particular individual. So if the body feels that there is not enough energy required is there, it will shut it down. So on one extreme, if you have got too little leptin, it will say, okay, you shut it down. But if you've got too much, it will say, okay, this is at the right time. And maybe even before the time is there, puberty development may happen. So there is a definite link with regards to obesity and early puberty. And this link, I would say, is clearly linked also from sleep habits because they have a direct impact on obesity, direct impact on leptin levels as well. On the other hand, if there is too much issues in terms of sleep, like somebody is really disturbed sleep, cortisol will go up. And this cortisol is going to affect the ovaries, it's going to affect the overall reproductive functions. So it will not only cause early puberty, there will be a disjuncted puberty and features of what we call polycystic ovarian syndrome in which uh, ovaries have an imbalance in terms of hormone production will also become manifest. So it's a very, very vital ring between sleep and reproduction, because as I said, sleep means you're doing well in life. If you're able to sleep well, 
you are having a contented life body can then want to grow if you don't have enough sleep body will say okay this person doesn't have enough resources he's already stressed with hundred of things why are we putting a load of reproduction on that perspective so it's a very simplistic way to look into and comparing them and we did speak a little about the diurnal rhythm and i would like to talk about that as i mentioned that there is a lot of recently i had a girl come to me who was 12 years old and her normal sleep time was post midnight and she said but auntie that's how we need to we need to stay up and we need to study so this is, seems to be a common trend and there doesn't seem to be emphasis that there is something concerning about this in terms of impacting physiology so do you feel that um there is that there is an ideal bedtime or are there in your view do you believe that people have different circadian rhythms there's a very popular book by dr michael bruce which describes four different chronotypes for sleep and there is a lot of talk about this today on social media that some of us are meant to be the night owl and where our regular bedtime is beyond midnight and that's probably what helps us to function really well and people say that there are genetics that Uh, point towards our sleep chronotype in your um, long experience do you feel that we are meant to have different sleep chronotypes and some of us are possibly meant to sleep much later than others or do you feel that there is a link between the diurnal rhythm the light uh, dark cycles and endocrine and how is this all impacting endocrine health especially uh, when it comes to these two major endocrine challenges that we see a lot of people struggling with today which is hypothyroidism and insulin resistance that's a very very important point that you've brought in and this is very relevant because we've talked about the quality of sleep you talked about the quantity of sleep and now the very important factor is the timing of sleep now a lot of people say that it's the if you are sleeping maybe 7 8 hours a day it doesn't matter whether you sleep at 12 you sleep at 9 you sleep in the morning also but i would like to differ from that perspective so whatever people talk about increased efficiency like doing better in that perspective is more to do with programming the way we have uh, uh, programmed ourselves in life that we want that sort of an environment and then uh, that is more like that rather than any physiological basis now of course when we talk about uh, a distribution of individuals we study uh, hundreds of thousands of people we will find that everybody will have a bell curve distribution so if we talk about height somebody will be Uh, at the uh, average height will have the maximum people there will be some who is were short and as you go towards extreme the numbers will become very less same tall people will be there so there might be some people who are on the extremes uh, who may be having a different sort of a chronotype so to speak but to say that uh, 99% would actually fall into that typical bell curve and i am not sure as to how you're going to determine that genetic basis even if you do a whole genome sequencing to identify which gene determines that particular chronotype because we don't even know many times that even if you do a genetic test diagnosing a disease may be difficult because some variations are normal which are there in that perspective and difficult to correlate so i would say rather than going into this genetic basis and saying that okay 
this particular uh, phenotype or a chronotype requires a different sleep pattern would not be appropriate. It is there that there's a normal distribution. Some people would prefer maybe sleeping a bit early, a bit late, but if you go on extremes, we are talking about less than 0.1% of the population and how to determine that becomes difficult. And we clearly see those situations that they are actually doing harm than good in that perspective. We see a lot of people who are doing uh, uh, call center work who tend to have a different nighttime cycle, a lot of shift, even as uh, medical professionals, we did a lot of uh, duties that really had a very bad impact in terms of how you feel the next day. And a lot of these metabolic complications that we are having, people becoming sick early, and we now see so many young people having so many cardiac issues, I would say sleep deprivation is one of the major important factors. It's not just sleep deprivation, it is the timing of sleep, which is also very vital in that perspective. So I would say stick to a schedule, and that's very, very important uh, in that regard. And there was, uh, I mean, I listened to Dr. Michael Bruce somewhere where he said we've actually tested endocrine function in uh, chronotypes, which are night owls. And in their body, cortisol and melatonin have a different rhythm and it's spiking and moving differently to others. Uh, what would you say to something like that? Is it because they're already in that sort of a rhythm that their body's shifting? Is that going to at some point probably trigger some abnormal function? What are your perspective on that? Yeah, so I think that's a very interesting point. There are two aspects. One, of course, is how many people are we testing? When we talk about uh, 100, 1,000, even that doesn't make a sense because we're talking about... Uh, billions of population, you can't just have such a small sample size to really look at it on that perspective. So that has to be looked into. So if you talk about medical research, uh, what often people say is that you can get any result depending upon any sample size you want to because the, they are not representative of the entire population, so to speak, in that perspective. A second point is very, very valid that if you have been living throughout your life, you are, that's why I talk about conditioning, that you have been living throughout that time, the body will say, okay, this fellow is always awake in the night time, so I can't have cortisol all the, all the time. And that will cause, uh, so it will try to shut down. So this is more like a acquired effect, not that they have a congenital issue in that regard. So one in a million may be like that, but you won't expect that half the population will be like that. So if somebody is doing that, this may be a programmed phenomena which may happen. And when this is a programming, it means that the body has to put extra efforts in curbing those hormones at that time when they should not be high. And that itself is going to take a toll. And there will be a time when this mechanism will fail and we will have a lot of issues which will come up in that perspective. So I would say there are a lot of uh, issues which are there, which have been raised in terms of all these factors. There is not much scientific basis onto that. And even if we consider that some people may have a normal profile which is there, it may be more because of the sleep pattern that they are using and the sleep pattern is not because of their hormone profile. It's the other way around in that perspective. And I would say it's not desirable uh, from that perspective. Good, doctor. And I would like us, before we actually go into how, how do we look at sleep and how do we look at improving sleep, just a little bit into hypothyroidism, because one thing that I've come across in a lot of people who have this altered sleep timing, sometimes they're sleeping past midnight, and then they've been told by their doctor to take their medication, their thyroid medication in the morning, and sometimes they wake up uh, 
they take their medication and they go back to sleep and then they wake up at a much later time. Is there something to uh, also, is our, what I'm asking is, is our sleep and wake cycle important in the timing of our medication and the effect of the medication? Is it going to impact positively or negatively if someone takes a medication, goes back to sleep and only to wake up several hours later and then eat their meal? Is, uh, do we need to follow um, sleep-wake cycle in according to our medication? I think that's a very, very valid point in two particular hormone replacement that become really relevant are thyroid and adrenal disorders. So thyroid is absolutely important. And why are we taking in the morning? So one thing, of course, is that uh, if you need thyroid to absorb properly, you want a gap of 30 to 45 minutes between the medication and having anything. So that's why morning suits most people. But the second big reason is we are trying to mimic what body does we want to mimic physiology so what we're doing is that in the morning as i said you need thyroid to become more active you take that medicine now if you're taking thyroid and the maximum level will of course be around that time when you're taking the medicine and then they will try to taper off over time so if you're taking the thyroid medications and sleeping again this is going to be a very difficult situation you are taking something to boost your energy and then you're going to a fact when you are actually trying to curb your energy. So it doesn't make really any sense to wake up and take the medicine. So we will always say that you get up at the right time and take the medicine. But let's say you're not able to wake up at around five or six o'clock, you're waiting at eight o'clock, take the medicine at eight o'clock because that's when your clock is there. But of course, if you want to do it around 12 o'clock, that of course is not desirable. But if somebody wants to wake up at seven or eight, which is not, which is not desirable, but okay, acceptable, Take the medicine, then don't set an alarm at five that I'll take the medicine at five and sleep again, because that's going to cause a huge uh, confusion to the body that, okay, now this fellow has got such a thyroid now, and why is the person wanting to sleep? And that becomes the problem. The second big uh, is the adrenals. And adrenals we talked about, there is a high level in the morning, which goes a bit slow in the evening. So when we talk about treatment of uh, children who have adrenal disorders, adults who have adrenal insufficiency, we talk about higher dose probably in the morning and a lower dose in that perspective. And medicines are being designed, which will allow the dual release of these medications. So immediately high and then a slow release, which will come up. So uh, this is very, very important from a medical perspective. And the reason why it is important is all about sleep. Because this is that sleep-wake cycle. When you want to be more active, you want more cortisol, more thyroxine. If you take them and you sleep, it's not making any sense in that regard. I, I really appreciate you saying that, doctor, because I think in many of these cases, some of these people then start to get concerned that their fatigue is not getting better, they are not doing better, and then they are... Uh, pushing the doctor at times to increase their dose and sometimes you know I mean yes of course we need the medication but we also need to support it with just the basic whatever we need to do which, and one of the most important aspects is sleep so I was very glad to hear you clarify that this is a trend I'm seeing more and more every time and that's why I wanted to ask you about that um, maybe since we we could talk a little bit about what would be the ideal sleep regimen in terms of 
what do you suggest in terms of meal time going to bed what can we do to improve sleep if you are having poor quality of sleep and if we are someone who has endocrine challenges maybe on medication be it hypothyroidism or diabetes what would be the ideal way that we support ourselves and give a Well, probably give the medication a scaffolding and framework so that it can do the best job for us. I think it's a very, very valid question, and this is relevant for individuals who have different types of hormone disorders, as well as those. Everybody, I would say, overall should have a, a healthy pattern as far as sleep is concerned. So, when we talk about sleep, as I said, there are three key aspects: the quality of sleep, the quantity of sleep, and the timing of sleep. All three are important. Let's go one by one. If you talk about quantity, there is no perfect hit which we can say, okay, this is the exact hour, exact minute which everybody should sleep. But roughly speaking, we're talking about seven to eight hours seems reasonable from most study perspective. And studies show people below six definitely have a huge problems, and more than nine may be a bit off the mark in terms of having over this thing. So while there will be a variation, there will be a normal curve. Which is there in terms of what's the ideal amount of sleep which is there? I would say seven to eight would be the good fit in that perspective for all the individuals across board in that perspective to start off. The second very important thing is the quality of sleep becomes important. So the quality will depend upon your environment and how the environment is impacting you. So key important things to remember is that when you are sleeping, you want your mind to be absolutely at the calmest. so things which can stimulate the mind things like uh, i would say having a caffeine drink in a recent past having a television having mobile and all these things are becoming very common that we are keeping all these things in our bedrooms we are seeing uh, tv and we sleep while seeing tv we are actually having the mobile just beside our side and that of course will have a lot of other impacts as well but you are seeing it right at the time and then you sleep and the wake up again the first thing you see is the mobile so these things will really make a huge impact as far as the mind is concerned less noise light all those factors are important so when we talk about sleep uh, uh, wake cycle it's also about the light dark cycle as you nicely pointed out so light also becomes important so i would say keep control of your environment that would include less noise less light no exposure to things like which may stimulate like television or mobile or other aspects just before sleep the third important thing perspective would of course be what should be the relationship with the meal with physical activity and other regards so generally speaking we have clearly shown that if you have a earlier dinner at least a two hour gap between dinner and sleep is what we would recommend and a bit of mild physical activity not too much of physical activity but maybe a stroll a walk for 20 30 minutes after the dinner will allow all these uh, nutrients to in a way be metabolized to absorb so that the body doesn't have too much load to really work out because digestion is a slow process it's not just that you've taken the food and then it will automatically get digested and digestion requires a lot of energy a lot of work from the stomach from uh, a lot of these pancreas which will secrete the enzymes and other factors as well so you need to give some time for your meal so if you have a light dinner and you wait for 2 hours maybe do a bit of physical activity at that time that would be an ideal recommendation now what time should you sleep now this again is a difficult situation to say for everybody because we do understand there is a lot of other issues is concerned but i would say probably 
better would be to be closer before 10 in most cases beyond 11 i would be a bit difficult because that's the peak time when the hormone goes down so if you look at a normal individual the cortisol is lowest at 12 o'clock midnight so you should be in a reasonable time to sleep by that time so i think 12 is the time when we want you definitely sleeping so 11 may be an appropriate time 10 would be even better in that perspective and of course you can have some some variation there in that perspective and then from there if you talk about seven to eight hours that would be the ideal time maybe five to six will be the right time to wake up in that perspective so this is very very important now there are various physical conditions of course which can affect sleep and we talk of no of course no about obesity and sleep apnea so those things of course will require a different perspective and we know that individuals who have sleep apnea who have poor quality of sleep have a much higher chances of diabetes uh, complications cardiac disease and other aspects in that regard so i think if you broadly talk about two hours after dinner maybe no television or mobile for an hour before you do a light physical activity sleep around 10 o'clock and uh, maybe get up around seven five to six will be a reasonable thing there may be some here and there variations there but not gross violations in that perspective something we should not do probably would be probably to sleep after 12 which may not be appropriate and getting up too late or getting up and sleeping again these sort of things as you said should be discouraged in that regards one of the things doctor that a lot of women have spoken about is that they go to sleep and then they wake up in the middle of the night somewhere around 1 to 2 a.m and then they they feel highly anxious at that time and everything that is troubling them during the day seems magnified at that time uh, do you have any thoughts on what could be contributing is it not eating enough or why do they feel that anxiety peaking at that specific hour of the night if they wake up uh, <clears throat> that is not really part of physiology if you speak because in physiological terms our bp is the lowest the blood pressure is lowest around that time sugars are a reasonable state so there's something else which probably may be contributing and as i said you said nicely because there's a tendency of your blood pressure and sugar to fall down if you haven't eaten enough, your sugars may go further down. So this could be important. So it's why we talk about nutrition. We always talk about healthy nutrition. We don't want to be overdoing things which may cause problems. And in that perspective, probably hypoglycemia or not really even hypoglycemia, maybe lower sugar levels, which are in the normal range, may also be contributing. Of course, anxiety of any forms, if you wake up at night, will be more exaggerated because then you're stress response is not there so if you're sleeping body has left all their armors everything is down and suddenly you wake up your anxiety will peak at that time so i think there are other issues which we might have to look into in terms of the overall well-being overall uh, other factors which will be relevant in that regard one last question doctor and that is i've come across some research which says that women need more sleep than men is there do you feel there's any truth to that especially in the context of endocrine health uh see overall if you look at it the major the burdens which are there in terms of the life uh, are much more for women so they of course have to do much in terms of the uh, menstrual cycle which requires a lot of energy they are responsible for childbirth, they have lactation, so there's so many much more. The evolutionary burden which is being carried is much more, the weight is much more on the woman's shoulder. 
So of course, if you want somebody to do more work, you need to maybe have uh, more uh, benefits in terms of more sleep will be better in that perspective, better nutrition becomes more important in that regard. So while uh, we do see that there may be a greater requirement of these factors because you're doing much more as compared to the other individuals who don't have period, who don't have lactation, who don't have pregnancy, it is definitely an important factor. But these are all variations within the normal range. It's not that there will be a huge variation. So maybe if you talk about the curve, which is like this in women, men, maybe shift it slightly towards the right side. But most of them will have this overlapping perspectives. In our study, we didn't find any difference between girls and boys. So there's not much difference. But yes, these will be subtle things. So this would definitely mean that we should we need to take a special care. But that does not mean that there will be a huge like uh, hours of difference, maybe a few minutes, that sort of a thing we are talking about in that regard. Any final things to share, doctor, on endocrine health and sleep before we conclude? So I think uh, <clears throat> the key aspect to remember is that endocrine disorders are one which do not have often overt manifestations and they have long-term tolls which are there. So these are in a way responsible for our continuation of body functions, a lot of factors which are going on in our long-term fashion. And if sleep is one of the major determinants of the hormones and if sleep is defected, you will not only have effect on the classical endocrine factors like hypothyroidism, diabetes, there will be effect on every part of your body. So hormones are regulating uh, the way your brain works, the way your heart works, the way your digestion works, the way you are able to have... Uh, normal activity, your skin, your hair, everything. So it's not just about the diseases. It's just about the overall well-being where a balanced hormone system is important. And I would say one of the fundamental aspects, I would say three would be the ones. And one of the major fundamental aspects is a good sleep. The other, of course, is a good nutrition. And the third will be a physical activity. So within this triangle, I would say sleep is something which is often ignored in that regards. And if we want to be healthy, our hormones have to be healthy. And for that, we have to sleep healthy in that regard. And we have a, all our guests complete our show mantra, doctor. So if sleep is the new medicine, then how would you complete that sentence for us? Sleep is the new medicine and it's the new vaccine also, which can save you from a lot of these complications. So it's not just a treatment. It's actually a prevention as well. So it is going to save a lot of diseases. That's very important from that regard. Thank you, doctor. And if people want to look at some of the work you've done, where can people go to have a look at that? Yeah. So we have got uh, multiple uh, areas in which they can look at. We have a YouTube channel uh, by, uh, which has a lot of uh, informative videos for uh, not only medical professionals, but also for general public with regards to hormone disorders. There is the website growsociety.in, which has got a lot of resources with regards to especially things like growth, diabetes, obesity, pubertal disorders. And then there's a, my website, drnaragbajpay.com, where also information is available in these uh, factors. Thank you, Dr. Bajpai, for a great conversation. It was as I expected. Everything was so clear and I think you really explained the importance of sleep in the endocrine aspect and 
um, maybe at some point we could have another conversation specifically on hypothyroidism because that's an alarmingly, I mean, it's growing so quickly and everybody who I come across says they're on medication. So it would be great if we could go into that. But thank you for your time and we were very honored to have you here today on the show. It was a wonderful interaction to discuss upon such an important aspect and very, very relevant issues which you had raised and I hope that uh, you will be able to address many of them and it will be a pleasure to be part of uh, future endeavors as well. Thank you. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed the show. Just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only. This is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional. This information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for personal help on your health journey, do seek out a medical practitioner. Please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with your doctor or otherwise qualified healthcare professional. It is in no way intended as medical advice as a substitute for medical counseling or as treatment or cure for any particular health condition. Be sure to always work directly with a qualified health practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding. If you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner, do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com.